It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at MIDI Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Golden Ring Collectibles is the official sponsor of Extreme Conversations with Brian Myers. Golden Ring Collectibles is your trusted source for pro wrestling and pop culture collectibles. With a wide assortment of autographed memorabilia, action figures, and other unique items, Golden Ring Collectibles has something for every collector. Shop by visiting GoldenRingCollectibles.com and be sure to like Golden Ring Collectibles on Facebook for information on upcoming virtual and in-person autograph signings. That's GoldenRingCollectibles.com and Golden Ring Collectibles on Facebook for all your pro wrestling and pop culture needs. Now let's get extreme. Welcome to another edition of Extreme Conversation, Season 1. Today's topic at hand, the innovator of violence, Tommy Dreamer. I am your host, the most professional wrestler, Brian Myers. I'm also here, producer of the show, Smart Mark Sterling Esquire. Very um, excited for this episode today. Um, I'm more interested in getting Tommy himself to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not a secret. Tommy, you know, kind of went through some stuff recently. And, you know, I'm not perfect. Tommy's not perfect. Nobody's perfect. You know, people make mistakes, and I think he understands that. Um, but this episode and all these interviews were recorded long before that incident. And um, I just want Tommy to hear, you know, from his friends and all these people that, you know, how much he's touched them and made a big impact on their lives and their wrestling career. Um, and, well, and, speaking and, of making an impact, uh, he made a huge impact on your career. Oh, that, I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't think that you know who Brian Myers, you know, slash Kurt Hawkins is if there's no Tommy Dreamer because he took a chance on Broski and I when we were just little dipshit kids, literally like 1920. So, um, and and it wasn't a one-time kind of thing. He's kind of looked out for us and 
till now and we're you know 36 turning 37 in the next year so it's been a long long time where i've always referred to him as my wrestling dad Mm -hmm. and it feels special to me but you know as you talk to other people and listen to these interviews in this episode you know there's a lot of people that see him that way you know and he's kind of gone above and beyond to look after people when he doesn't really have to you know he can he can always just be looking out for himself and and he's never been like that right so the thing that's that blows me away really is when you really think about it it's no secret that you're a big ecw fan it's no secret that you uh probably absolutely adored tommy dreamer as a fan uh you know he's a face of the company huge part of the company etc etc so is it insane to you to get into the business and then have this guy looking out for you. It's just like a double whammy. First of oh, all, there's yeah, somebody absolutely. looking out for you. But second of all, totally. it's your childhood hero. Totally. I, I Pretty nuts. And, and that's one of the things about being a wrestler that I've kind of come to terms with. You know, you watch ECW. You know, Tommy Dreamer's the heart and soul of ECW. You're a fan of him, fan of his work. And then you meet him. And they can go one of two ways. You know, it could be biggest letdown ever or unreal it's like i already i already liked this guy as you know a character on television and i appreciate his work and now he's a real life good person that's taking care of me like that that's unbelievable it's like a double whammy you know of just um and then i was gonna say on the flip side it it kind of hurts when it goes the other way when the guy's a dick and you know you made up how cool he's gonna be in your mind and he's not so that that's the uh the the positive and negative of getting in the business you know what i mean you're you're gonna encounter that but when when it's paid off you know a guy like tommy or a guy like edge or somebody that's like above and beyond my wildest you know good to me um it's pretty damn special so that that obviously far outweighs the negative what i um found extra you know interesting is that tommy's character on television is like i said the heart and soul of ecw the guy that you know puts the company on his back and he wears literally wears the t-shirt to the ring in all his matches and, and he's he's the the lifeblood mm-hmm and that's what you saw on television, but it was going on behind the scenes as well. Right. And you don't know that as a fan. Yeah. You know? It's yeah, just something yeah, you learn later in life if you're a big fan like we are, you know? Yeah. So I thought that kind of um, dynamic and, and what that you he mean was by living, that is, he was living yeah. that in and out of the ring, you know? That's got to take its toll on somebody. That's pretty pretty wild. Sure. And, and a lot, and lot to it, take on. You mean like he's literally sending the merch out? He's hiring people. Everything. He's yeah. booking the shows, and Paul's not there. You know, coming up with characters, people helping out in every way possible. You helping know, keeping, the edits, yeah. keeping the company afloat, literally. And those, you know, on the back nine there. You know, when 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 it wasn't looking so good. So, right. pretty cool. Uh, pretty unique um, legacy, I would say that that goes beyond ECW because it's it has lived on. You know, much past ECW, but. Uh, we're going to dive deep into it today. Who's up first here, Marky? All right, so let's go to Rhino. Um, he's He's got uh, some interesting things to say about the first time he met him. What were your first impressions of Tommy Dreamer the first time you ever met him? When was that? He was really cool. Um, it was in Grand Rapids, and it was for a tryout when I went there for a tryout. And everybody kind of, you know how Dreamer is. Everybody just flocks to him. Um, (laughs) Well, because he's usually telling some kind of story. Right, right. Well, that, and he's got a good personality, and, you know, it's the aura. And Mm -hmm. um, people are just drawn to him. Um, But Pee Wee told me, he goes, if you want a straight answer, don't go to Paul. I'm not saying Paul's a liar or anything. Just, you know, I don't know if Paul, you know, wants to hurt someone's feelings. You know, like, Mm -hmm. oh, I can never do anything with you or 
can I have plans with you, which he does, you know, um, but dreamer will tell you straight, you know, whether it was in ECW or WWE or, you know, impact, he'll go right now, you know, like back then, right now, Paul has nothing for you. Even though if he says he has something for you, he doesn't. Mm -hmm. So this is how you can change his mind. Do this, 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 or this, you know? So he'll shoot straight with you opposed to hearing like from Paul, you know, not that he's ever said anything or said anything like that. I'm just giving you an example. Yep. Well, yeah, we've got plans for you. You know, meanwhile, he doesn't, you know, and he's probably going to wait around to see if he can come up. And Dreamer will tell you, you don't, and this is what you got to do to have yep. him make plans for you. So, um, How impactful has Tommy's, you know, friendship and, you know, mentorship been on your career personally? Um, it, it very. Uh, like a lot of men and women in wrestling, um, he's really been impactful to a lot of careers. And as a friend, um, he, he, you know, like I was going through a divorce and everything and he was there for me. Um, you know, so even behind the scenes, he's, you know, there for a lot of guys and girls. Um, and he's done a lot for the business and he loves the business. Um, you know, you yourself love the business um, a great deal. Um, there's a lot of people, you know, that really, really have a passion for it. He's one of those guys that, you know, if you asked him um, to jump in front of a moving train to save the business, he would. He yeah, would. for sure. You know, right. he would mend his life. So mm -hmm. even though I would like to push him in front of a moving sometimes. train. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, it's funny because uh, – I'll mess with him sometimes. You know how he is. He'll always mess with people, but I, I get him sometimes. And and uh, how he's trying to hide that bald spot on the back of his head. <laughs> hey. Let it go, brother. It's not that bad. He, finally, I like to say he's the innovator of violence and the innovator of the double ponytail, which I've never seen before. I don't know what that thing is. Yeah. Right. But yeah, he's he's unique uh, for sure, right? He's like, he has to be experienced to really... That, that's why I want to do this episode about him. You know, it's hard to, you have to experience Tommy to really appreciate Tommy, right, you know? Right. And the coolest thing is, is I'll, I'll never forget. Um, I went over to his house and I, this is um, an ECW and uh, he had an eight by 10, an old eight by 10 from dreamland. Tommy dreamer. Oh, yeah, yeah. I actually, I, I think I asked him for it um, or I swiped it and I put it in a frame and I hung it in my office. <laughs> So well, the uh, old school suspender look. Yep, black and white. He has a robot. Yeah, from Dreamland. He was supposed to be one of the uh, American males. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. You know what? I think I heard. That. Yeah, that's how. Yeah, that's how damn sexy he was in the mid nineties. If you can, if you can picture that. Yeah. All right. Next up is Tommy's longtime riding buddy, a crazy man, but we love him, little Guido. Um, somebody who I think is very influential in your career. What has Tommy Dreamer meant to you in your career and your, the friendship you've, you've built with him over the years? Yeah, I talk to Tommy all the time still. I still talk to him. Uh, hopefully, and I probably always will. You know, we, we did definitely built a friendship. Plus, uh, in ECW, we used to work in the office together with Devon. Um, um, when I first started, um, as soon as I came out of Gino Caruso's wrestling school, I got hooked up with the IWCCW. Remember them? Savoldi's mm -hmm. used to run that. Mario, yeah. Tommy. So at that time, Taz, Tommy Dreamer, Flex Lavender, um, 
Johnny Gunn, they were all working. They were getting pushes from the, from the Savoldis. And I started there, um, just went up there to meet the Savoldis. And they used me as a job guy, you know, with Damian Stone. But that's how Dreamer started taking a liking to me. This is before ECW. So, um, you know, him and Taz, you know, they were always very good to me. Then they were telling the Savoldis, book me on all the shows. They were running a lot of shows. Really? You know? I started doing all their TV tapings and oh, stuff cool. up in Cutchers, up in Hamburg. And the night I broke my jaw, actually, Tommy Dreamer and Taz threw SS Powerhouse out of the locker room. I don't even know. You know I broke my jaw. No, we I, were don't, I don't know the story. We, we, I was wrestling in Monticello. I was probably wrestling now about two years. And I had a good relationship with, with everybody now from Dreamer and Taz. I was there for a couple of years. And I was doing a show up in Cutchers, and the guy slammed me down. And back then, nobody was doing 450s. Mm-hmm. This guy was, was big, big muscle guy. And, you know, at the time, I wasn't going to say no. So he wanted to do a 450. I'm like, okay. Well, he did like a 180 and a half. Landed right on my face, knocked all my teeth out, uh, broke my jaw in two places from one end to the other. They couldn't even wire me shut. They had to do emergency surgery and put metal into my jaw. And I was out for about a year. So I didn't know this until I came back that uh, Dreamer and Taz threw him out. That guy never worked again after that anywhere. He actually quit the business. Oh, okay. so even in ECW, you know, then what happened was I ended up, you know, I came back from that and then I ended up, um, you know, going back and working for the Savoldis a little bit. But then I got an opportunity to go wrestle in Japan for the UWFI. So I was already working a little bit in ECW for Todd Gordon and Eddie Gilbert and stuff before Dreamer was there, before Taz was there. This was mm-hmm. with Tommy Cairo. It's like 1992, 1993, when it was Eastern Championship Wrestling. Yep. Paulie yep. wasn't even there yet. Paul was not there yet. Um, and then I went to Japan. And so when I came home from Japan, it was like two years later, ECW turned into extreme championship wrestling. And Tommy was one of the top guys, Taz. And I, I went to Puerto Rico and I saw Pablo Marquez. And Pablo's like, hey, he goes, we got this thing going on in Philadelphia, extreme championship wrestling, dreamers there, Taz. I'm like, oh, tell those guys that said hello. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we did the shows for Carlos Cologne. I went back the next month. I saw Pablo. He was like, oh, I spoke to Dreamer and Taz. They want you to give him a call. That's how I got hooked up there. And I'm like, all right. And I said, Pablo gave me Dreamer's phone number. And when we come home from Puerto Rico, I gave Tom a call. And he asked me, he goes, I want you to come down to uh, Lost Battalion Hall. I want to introduce you to Paul, Paul Heyman. And I went down there and I never left. Wow. It's that day. I worked as Damien Stone Damian for about Stone, right? three months. Um, just getting killed on mostly house shows. Not really. T- I did a couple of TVs because I did something. Um, with Pillman, where he came out with the cane and he was beating all the job guys up with mm-hmm. the cane. And then Paulie, uh, as time was going on, he's like, oh, you remind me of a Joe Pesci type of guy. You know, he's like, I'm going to guy. And he didn't give me the name right away. He just was telling me, you know, you're small, but you're hot-tempered. You got a big mouth. You know, you always want to fight all the big guys, that type right. of character. Yeah. So he kept telling me that. And one night I came in, and this is the night Devon Dudley actually um, debuted in Lost Battalion Hall. And uh, he said, you're going to be JT Cousins, uh, JT's cousin. You're going to be his cousin from another mother or wherever it was. We went to the ring and did that. And then Devon came out and beat us all up with chairs. And that's how they introduced Devon to uh, the ECW crowd. So, How, how pivotal is, was Tommy Dreamer to ECW, like running, you know, it's day to day and it's whole existence? Well, he, he was everything. I mean, we used to do uh, and I, I did have a lot to do with it because he involved me because I was in the office with him every day. The merchandise office, you know, yeah. we were selling, you know, we were the ones answering the phones. Fans never knew it was me, Devon. Um, and we were mailing. We used to go to mail. You know, we would never tell them who we are. We had fake names. But the fans were talking to me, Devon. Dreamer really didn't do that part. Um, and we used to drive the merchandise. I, that was my way in the very beginning to go to the shows. I would yeah. go to Tom's house. We, I would leave my car there. Tom lived about 15 minutes from me. And Paulie lived five minutes from him. 
So I would go to Tom's house, he would have the merchandise van there, we'd go to the office, we'd fill it up for the whatever show we're going to, and then we'd go pick up Paulie. And we all the three of us would drive together. So he was the, the, the nut and bolts of of, of everything. So yeah. he was very much involved with Paulie. I mean, he not only did the merchandise during the week, he was at the studio, you know, doing the editing and stuff like that too. So besides the merchandise, he was also doing the editing and you know, doing the booking on other house shows. Even though Paulie was always there, Tom was the one coming around telling you who's doing what. There wasn't agents. It was just him and Paul. Mm-hmm. They were the ones. And then when Candido came along, uh, he started, Candido started acting like uh, like a like a Tommy Dreamer too. So yeah. Tommy Dreamer was kind of like passing it down to him. So, but yeah, he had the, he, he was the nut and bolt of BCW. What, what do you think it is about Tommy that like, you know, he has so many, like a person like me, you know, or you, like he's just affected so much of us. And, you know, you can see, like, you guys are more similar in age, but he calls me like one of his kids and I'm one of many that he's, you know, meant yeah, to yeah, look, yeah. look knows, out yeah. for. What, what do you think it is about Tommy that, you know, his love for the business that that's, you know, kind of unparalleled. And, and he wanted to help a lot of people. That's mm-hmm. what it was. The love for the business and, and helping other people get to where they want to be. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just, you know, he's just a kind person like that. You're very soft spoken, as you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then he even helped a lot of people when he went to, you know, when he, they took him out of the ring way too early. Like, I, I you know, sometimes they show clips or I'll watch something he's doing. I'm like, Tom, why are you still taking these crazy bumps? They said, you're crazy. I said, yeah. they, you, you, they already know you're already over. You don't need to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, but all the way to the end, and I'm sure with Impact right now, he's still doing all kinds of crazy stuff, you know, but that's the, that's his love for the business. And he affected a lot of people. He helped a lot of people, yeah. you know, and yeah. he wants to help them. He wants to help them. So, Absolutely. so you know, Absolutely. if we had more people like him, it would be great. I, I completely agree, yeah. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause, and MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. All right, we go from Tommy's good friend to his mortal enemy. The one, the only. Quote the Raven, never more. Mark, this is my favorite feud in professional wrestling history. I was going to ask you that. Just everything about it, just the longevity of it, you know, that it's, it's, how long has it been? You know, they always, how many other guys have been married like that when they're not, they were not like, you know, initially a tag team or something like that, you know? Um, people just invested. I invested, you know, in the, in the story. Uh, I love it. That's that's how I want like you know me and Cardona to be eventually. But you know like uh, it, it's that it tugs at the heartstrings that much. I think you know. Yeah, I agree. Here he is. Your all time nemesis, Tommy Dreamer. When was the first time you met Tommy Dreamer? Uh, I think I met him in a club or something, or I met him say somewhere. And then, then we didn't meet again for till I got up and until I showed up at ECW. So when you show up in ECW, how does this like manifest into what it became? Like, did you guys know you're going to work with each other? Yeah, you know? well, I, I came up with the Raven character, and uh, and I was waiting to go to Smoky Mountain so I could get it over. And uh, Cornette kept putting me off. Said next month, next month. And in the meantime, I saw I was living. In, I moved to Philly because uh, I left, you know, because I had to live in Stanford to go be a associate producer at Raw. Mm-hmm. And I left there to um, go to Philly because it was like the, the corner, the, the central hub for uh, for independent stuff. Yeah, because you know, the bookings you can go north, south, you know, either way. Um, and there's a lot of stuff done in that area, and so uh, I caught the ECW show one day. I was like, "Holy shit! It's the best show I've ever seen!" So I got to be a part of that. So, um, yeah, so there's a whole long drug filled story about, uh, me getting booked, but, uh, I'll leave that for another time. I've told it so many times. <laughs> yeah. I've heard it. Yeah. Yeah. So the, uh, yeah. And, and, and it sounds like I'm glorifying drugs now, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I, like, I really wish I wouldn't have been, became an addict. Like, you know, like, of course. Yeah. But, uh, and You're you never hear about story, the man, you made it out on the other side. You've been sober for years now. So years. Uh, you know, but I mean, but there's a downside to it. I just, I, whenever I talk, whenever I put over my drug filled stories, I always kind of feel like I got to give the full side that, you know, that the negatives is, is way worse, you know, I hear you. but, uh, you knew that you'd be working with dreamer upon. Yeah. Yeah. So so ECW Paulie brought me in to get him over because I was only going to stay for a couple months, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and Paulie thought that when I, when I explained the character to him, that it was a comedy version of like what I was doing. And then when he saw it, when I did my first promo and he saw that it was like a dead serious character, mm-hmm. he got behind it. And like bookers always see themselves through talent, through a talent's eyes. Like, like there's like Vince McMahon sees himself as uh through uh, Lex Luger, the Patriot and the million dollar man. Those are like the two main characters that he sees the world through. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And Paulie saw the world through Raven's eyes, you know, and dreamers too. Cause uh, I think dreamer, you know, was the ultimate baby face, but Raven was the ultimate, you know, disenfranchised, uh, uh, antisocial. And, and so he, so he really, he almost, he understood the character a little better than me when I first created it, because I, I didn't realize how, how much depth I was going to pull out of myself. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I didn't realize how 
personal, it was actually, you know, because I was kind of hiding myself from that. But once I fa- faced it, then uh, then it was really cathartic. But, um, you know, but but he really got the character right off the bat. And he's like, you know, and, and because he's, he immediately identified with it and saw through it. And uh, th- there was never any question of whether I was going to stay for a couple months. Once once I was there, I was like, I wouldn't go anywhere. And he knew it. And he didn't want me to go anywhere. Where do you think that magic with you and Tommy, like, came from? Like, I mean, and, you know, the storyline is based on this obviously fake, you know, camp, what? It's camp fake. kid bullshit. Ah. But you pull out, like, real human emotion out of it. Like, where did that come from? Like, why do you think that works so well? Or, like, especially, like, what's on Tommy's side? Like, you're saying you had real emotions come out. Do you think he had this, a similar kind of thing? Yeah, well, he just loves the business. I mean, like, you know, he wants to die in the ring. I mean, but, but you know, people say that, but he really does. I mean... You know, like I'm sure his funerals, his funeral plans are to be buried in a ring somewhere. Sure. You know, yeah, he would love it. He would. <laughs> you know, um, so but yeah, but so he just, you know, and and it's so easy to identify with that story. You know, like it was my idea. I said I want to come up with a backstory because I don't want to spend three weeks trying to get the story over. I want the story to you know to, to already have history so that we can we can jump into it running. You know, if people buy the history we can jump into this with, with full energy. Whereas mm-hmm. if we have to start the story, then we got to start, you know, from scratch and say, so I show up one day and then I do this and he does that. And I do that. Whereas we've already, by establishing a back history, we've already, we've already done steps A, B and C, you know, mm-hmm. we can just jump into D. And, uh, and then it worked out that I ran, that I met uh Teresa, his wife, Beulah yep. In Miami, um, she was uh, dating Ron Gann or was with Ron Gann, a baseball player, a friend of mine. And uh, the uh, so I said, hey, Ron, how you doing? He goes, hey, Scotty, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. This is Teresa. She's like, oh, I want to. And Ron, he goes, he's a wrestler. And she goes, oh, I want to get back into wrestling. I go, what, get back into it. What do you mean? She goes, oh, I used to work as Pillman's sister in Calgary. I'm like, no shit. Wow. I'm like, she's like, here, let me give you some pictures. I'll send you some pictures. You know, and yeah, I figured. I figured Paulie would hire her. I didn't think he'd get, I didn't want her for me because I didn't think I needed her, you know, because I had mm-hmm. Stevie. And uh, and I always had a valet, but or mostly had a valet, but, and I knew how to use a valet, which most, I hate the fact that most people have no idea how to use a valet properly. You know, they just, they just out there as eye candy for the most part with most people, but, or at least that's how it used to be. I don't watch wrestling anymore. I, mean, I, also so think, I, I don't know. I think it's half the fault of the promoters that don't want to pay for it, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. the act, you know, a single act gets, you know, two flights, two hotels, two this, that, two paydays. Yeah. And like you said, if the person doesn't know how to use them. Yeah. Well, that's, right? I think that's, yeah, but that's on the boys if they're not knowing how to use, you know, they just go, oh, I got a valet. Okay. Here's your, here's your typical spot, you know, go in there. They don't, you know, like you have to put it, you have to use her and, you know, it's like anything else. You have to do it at the right times in the right way. Timing is everything. Um, Anyway, so uh, so I said I could bring Paulie the pictures, you know, and she had done some penthouse stuff. So I showed Paulie the penthouse pictures. She's like, yeah, we're, we're hiring her. She brings her in. Paulie gives her to me. Works out perfect. You know, it's, it's just another thing. So that, so I came up with the idea that she was the girl in summer camp. You know, that, so it played into the summer camp story perfectly that, you know, that he was she was in love with him, but she was fat. And so he didn't want her. But I didn't care because I wanted sloppy seconds. You know, I take a sloppy seconds. You know, <laughs> it's pretty unreal to like sit back that little detail, that whole. Well, that, that was my that was all my idea. So because okay. because because to me it's it's all story. To me, wrestling is all about storytelling. Yeah. You know, it, it has nothing. If if there's zero athleticism, you can still make tons of money. But if there's 
only athleticism, you can't make tons of money. You know, you have to have, you know, to me, it's like, that's why I never went to Japan for any length of time. I went like six different times for six different companies and never, never petitioned to come back with any of them because I yeah. didn't have any interest in it. You know, it's like <laughs> no, I, I went it, because yeah. like, you know, it was a good, it was a good payday, but yeah. it wasn't, um, it's not my type. It's, it wasn't my cup of coffee, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't even like coffee. So that's even <laughs> worse. Uh, do you think it's safe to say that your program with Dreamer like put ECW on the map? Mm. Especially in that 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 time period, that infancy. I would love to say that. I'd love to take all that credit, but they were already on the map. Um, their reputation was as a garbage promotion, you know, like a garbage in the sense of you know hard you know hardcore uh, hardcore matches, you know, type thing. Which, I, which as a sidebar, I never understood why people think they should work a hardcore match any different than a regular match. Like. I always got a, I always had babyface shine, heel gets heat, and babyface makes a comeback. Yep. But most people have a hardcore match; they just go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Just a brawl. And don't build anywhere. Yeah. I don't, which makes no sense to me. Like, well, oh, now there's weapons, so now we have to. Now we just hit each other back and forth. You know, mm-hmm. like, whatever. Anyway, so the um, but I think what put them on the map was the Shane Douglas throwing the do a steal in the NWA belt. I think yeah. and throwing that down. I think that put the company on the map. Then the, the 60 minute uh, matches that uh, Funk, uh, Sabu, and Shane had, that kept it, that, you know, continued it. Then uh, the next big thing, I guess, was uh, Dreamer Sandman, where Sandman was blinded. And, uh, and Sandman didn't even go out the whole time. He was supposed to be blinded in Philadelphia because, you know, everybody knows everybody in Philly. So he sold it for real. Like he never went out of his house. Yeah. yeah. I think he just probably just wanted to stay home anyway. So <laughs> sleep on the couch, lazy bastard. But, um, but, uh, yeah, but Sam, but Sandman was like, so he was a total mark for it. Like, you know, like he used to hit people for real with the cane. Like, he's like, I got to lay it in. I got to make it blue. I'm like, mm-hmm. like, dude, I go, you don't have to lay it. And I go, it doesn't, it doesn't matter as long as it sounds like it hurts, you know? And yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, you know, I stopped taking them after like, after like three weeks of taking cane shots from when our fair program started, mm-hmm. I was like, no, nah, I'm done. Meaning you and Stevie take them on Nova. I'll, I'll, the first time I got hit with a cane, I was like, oh, I've seen this for years. And then I finally hit and I was like, no way does it hurt that much. What? I remember just yeah. selling like, what? But, but yeah. I figured out how to make it not hurt mostly mm-hmm. is you, you, you so, cut the cut the rope and you take the the white thing, all the, all the strings around it. So because the, the more bound it is, yeah. the more tied up, the tighter it is, the more it hurts. And also you want to take it down by the meaty part of it down near the handle. Mm-hmm. So it's weird. It's like so. But if you get caught on the end. Oh, oh it's brutal. Gross. Yeah. Yeah, it really hurts. To, to wrap up Tommy here, how important was Tommy Dreamer to the history of ECW to you know, make that place go all those years? And Well, he how- was in the thing with Sandman. So right there, that's where he started to get over. But when I came in, he was booed by 80% of the people. Yeah. And uh, and I said, you know, I said, and and Paulie had the company set up where he believed that there, it was an era where people believed that the, ba- the day of the baby face was placé. And did everybody was a was a tweener? And I was like, no. I go, it doesn't work that way. I go, you can't build big payoffs unless one guy's a babyface and one guy's a heel. And I go, I'm going to be a heel. Everybody I work with is going to be a babyface, and I'm going to make it. You know, so by the end, you know, and it's not all my work because Dreamer was amazing. I mean, he he was absolutely amazing to work with and so talented, such a great seller. And uh, um, 
but yeah, but so, but then by the end of the by the end of that, it was like ninety percent cheers for Dreamer. There's never going to be a hundred percent, so no, you know, yeah, of course. there's always going to be the idiot fans that want to cheer for the bad guy just to be difficult. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Now let's hear from ECW Triple Crown winner, the one and only Mikey Whipwreck. What were your first impressions of Tommy Dreamer the first time you met him? What do you remember about that? I liked Tommy at first. He's hard to read, as you know. Yes. Because he's very monotone. Yes. It still is. Yeah, I always uh, tell the story about him, you know, calling to hire Matt and I, and it's, you know, the most important thing that's ever happened to us in our 21 years on Earth. And he's like, hi, I'm Tommy Dreamer. I would like to hire you. And it was just so like, you're not even like a little bit excited. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. give, me, give me something more here, pal. But that, that was like one, you know, one of my first interactions with him. Well, he, he had called me to say, Mikey, we're looking for guys. Do you have anybody? I said, yeah, I got guys for you. And I gave him a list of like, I think I gave you, you and Matt. Mason Rage. Uh, Mason Rage. I think I gave, I'm pretty sure I mentioned Burma too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he comes back and he's like, okay. But like Matt and Brian and the Mason Rage guy is good. But, but then it didn't end up, and he didn't, what do you say about Burma? I don't remember what he said about Burma. Um, he needed to fix his body a little bit or, or something like that. But, and then, and then I remember getting a phone call. A little bit later in the week saying i know we're hiring mason rage but we're not hiring mason rage like oh, okay great <laughs> so mason went from like being like on cloud nine to being like fuck 
Just just making dreams and crushing dreams all in the same monotone voice. That's it. He just moved, and Mason ended up moving to um, OVW. Yeah. Picked up the move. But I remember he said, uh, yeah, I'm going to call Matt and Brian. I said, thanks, Tommy. I appreciate it. He goes, you're a good trainer. If you say the guys are good, they're good. And they did good to the tryout. I said, awesome. Uh, they're going to be super excited. Unlike yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. I know Tommy. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was it was good. And then, you know, waiting and waiting and waiting. And then finally you guys called me to say you got the call. I'm like, Jesus Christ, what took so long? So, so, so was, did, when did you first meet Tommy in Philly? No, no, I met Philly up. Actually, I remember this. I don't remember the dates of the year, but it was in Ogdensburg, New York. Whoa. Which is way up there, right on the border of Canada. Yeah, yeah. And because Sonny Blaze, who trained us, well, kind of trained us, um, he was booked on a show with some local guy, the Seaway Skipper, uh, to get him over in a in a matinee and uh, an evening show in the building. This sounds like a barn burner of an event. Let me tell you, no, <laughs> uh, it, it was mostly it was the that the uh, ICCW crew mm-hmm. with uh, Tony Rumble and all them, Big Steamboat. Uh, Taz Dreamer. I think Ray Odyssey was probably on the show. Might have worked with Taz, actually. But um, yeah, he was just very nice. Like, he was nice. He didn't really give me the time of day. How you doing? You trained by Sunny Blaze? Okay. And that was it. You know. But Tommy just became one of those guys where uh, if I had questions, I could ask him. Yeah. You know, he, he's, he's hard to read, but he's very approachable. That's true. So, the way he comes across sometimes, he makes you feel like he's just being like very like, I'm answering this question just because I have to. But when you learn that's just the way he is, that's just the way he is. Like every time I asked him a question, I felt like I was bothering him. Or he couldn't care less about my question. Yeah. <laughs> Which is to, absolutely one hundred percent nothing could be further from the truth. Yeah. Honestly. Um, without Tommy, do you think ECW rises to the success that it sees? You know, was he that pivotal to the to the the brand and the company. Um, he was pivotal. I think we would have been, we would have been all right. Um, definitely towards the end, if it wasn't for Tommy, things would have imploded um, much, much sooner. Uh, Cause Tommy was pretty much doing everything. Paul wasn't showing up and it was just Tommy kind of running things. Mm-hmm. So, but, but Tommy, even that whole angle with the Sandman, I mean, that just elevated his career. I do remember when first going there being in Philadelphia Tommy coming out with the big sequin ro- uh, robe and everything else, and the people would hate him. Like yeah. he, they could not fucking stand him. And it wasn't like, "Hey, this is progressing. We don't like this guy." This was like, "No, we don't like this fucking guy." And uh, I, I remember that Tommy went out and he was calling the spot uh, where he was going to get over with the crowd because he was going to DDT the referee. And Terry Funk goes, God damn it. You know what happens when Tommy, you do DDT the referee. The crowd's going to start chanting, ref, ref, ref. (laughs) (laughs) It was just, oh my God, it was great. Those early days were so, like, those first experiences I had in wrestling were just so great. Yeah. That's like my, my my favorite overall time in the business then. 
you know, my favorite working time of the business was with Tajiri at the end. Oh, yeah. uh, and of course with Cactus, but those, that first year in, in ECW, when I'm just learning all these things and just seeing these people I've seen on TV forever and just watching them just fucking just be the back and how they are seeing that Terry Funk is really fucking crazy in like the most awesome way. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was just, I just loved it back then. Man. So much fun. All right. Next up is a guy that I know that Tommy really uh, impacted his career a lot and they went on to be great friends, which is pretty awesome too, to hear about. And somebody that I knew that I wanted to, you know, get that story on here right away when we were going to do this episode. And that guy is dastardly Danny Dorn. Give me your first impressions of meeting Tommy Dreamer. Okay. Um, this is funny because it's like one of the first guys I saw wrestle when I watched the show was Tommy. Mm-hmm. And I saw him do a counter. It was a, I want to say it was against Raven. It was a hip toss and he turned it into the DDT. And I had never seen, and this, I, I like WWE, that was the only, the only thing I was exposed to WWE programming. So I never had mm-hmm. seen anything like that. I was like, oh my God, oh my God. So I marked out huge um, um, for, for Tommy like when I first saw him. So like to get actually the first time he had come to the school a couple of times. Um, and so I got to wrestle him in school a lot. So I got to meet him there. And it was weird because like, you know, we're with Taz and Perry every day, which is nerve wracking enough. But when somebody else would come in from the outside, it was, you're kind of like awestruck a little bit. Yeah. And then you get to work with him. So, I mean, so I got kind of, not desensitized to it, but I was kind of like early on, like I was around him enough that I wasn't. Um, but there was one instance where we had just started doing team Taz and we were called up to do the raw invasion. We did raw Sabu does the job, jump off the R all that. And at the school, and this is hard to not to hard to talk about, but hard now to understand, but Taz and Perry were so old school. We didn't, we didn't do insider terms. We didn't know there was no, I didn't know what a work was a shoot. I didn't know what a K fabe was. I didn't know what a get, I didn't know anything. Yeah. So we're, we're up there. We're doing a thing. We're getting ready to go uh, to the locker room. We're in the hallway and Tommy's got um, Tupperware. He's going to eat his, his, his food out of the Tupperware. And Raven just walks by, grabs it out of his hand, starts eating it. And then, and then I was like this, what's going on here? Like I was completely weirded out. Cause I was like, don't you hate each other? Like, this is where I, and I'm, I'm, I'm in the company. Right. That's wild. So I was just like completely like trying to figure out what was going to happen next. Like I was watching a TV show. I was like, this dude just took his Tupperware. He's eating out of his Tupperware. What's happening. It's kind of a lame story, but like in that moment, like, you're so not exposed to any of that. So you're just like, even though you've been around Tommy a lot, you haven't met Raven yet. That's a whole nother um, character. Oh, that yeah. You can, yeah. So like, that was, but my like first impression when he came to school, I was like, oh my God, Tommy Dream was here. But every week there was like, you know, like a Cronus or a Guido or, you know, whoever would stop by to, to work with, which is great. You're working with all those guys in school before you actually had a match. So it made being around them in the locker room a lot easier. So you weren't just like thrown into the fire. How influential has Tommy been for you as a friend and your, your career as a whole? Like, you know, where, where would you be without Tommy Dreamer, basically? I probably would have been n- not wrestling a long time ago. Like, I mean, you know, like who hasn't he helped? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, and I, I'm not saying that because we're, we're friends, but I mean, who hasn't he helped? Oh, yeah. You know, and he's probably like the patron saint of wrestlers. Like, you know, like there's really, and you can't, and I try, man. Like there's, you can't get him to tell, you, you can't get him to tell you he hates somebody. 
I've tried. There's gonna be somebody you just don't like. Come on, man. Come on. It just won't. You just won't turn heel on anybody. And um, but you know, like from from day one, like you know, like we had so many guys in that locker room, like to to turn to that would give you an honest opinion of your match. You know, like you could tell tell and Tommy would always watch everything. Tracy Smothers, even you know, guys would just watch everything. So to have a have people like that, Tracy Smothers, God rest his soul. Um, was awesome and to have somebody and, and then be a later on to get to a level where you can call that person your friend is even better. And, you know, like part of the reason why we're still tight to this day is like, I've never asked him for anything. So anytime he's ever given me um, a shot, like, you know, called me up and said, you know, come to the, come to the garden work, come do heat velocity, whatever it was. It was like, he called me. I never asked him for anything. And every time we are on the phone, we never have a conversation about the business. We just talk about other things, which is probably, which is, which is good because, you know, he knows I'm not looking for, I'm sure people blow up his DMs and his phones and all mm-hmm. stuff all the time for like the last 20 years. And we don't have that kind of relationship, but it's to, to have a person like that in your corner that really believed in you all this time when some other people didn't is it's, it's comforting to have. Definitely. How important was he to keep any CW afloat in that last year or so there? It was the heart and soul of it. You know what I mean? Like, he was he was influential in in everything creatively, um, going to bat for guys, giving guys shots, just giving guys the rub, teaming with you know this one, putting this guy over. I, I don't know that probably the most unselfish wrestler ever. Like and you know you had a if you're if he was beating you, it's almost you had to like fight to get him to to go over. Like the guy just wanted to put everybody over, and he, he's always gonna be Tommy Dreamer. He could lose every match every night of the week. So just what he did for everybody you know, coming up. And I think when he went to WWE, he was basically the same role. Like he, you know, who, who didn't he help get over? You know what I mean? So I I think probably one of the most influential and like I said, the patron saint of of wrestlers. I don't know that anybody can say anything different. Yeah. I think the, the beauty in like his career is like how over he got in like the unselfishness, you know what I mean? Like you're saying, yeah. He's like one of the only guys was able to maintain a career this long by being unselfish. Like that's, pretty unheard of really especially in wrestling where people are very selfish <laughs> yeah. uh so what at the end of the day what do you think is tommy dreamer's legacy to the business i think just helping 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 younger wrestlers i really do mm-hmm. uh giving people oppor- uh, giving people opportunities i think will be his his legacy and it you know and I, I know it's not a physical building and i know it's not uh something that he would um that he would even like really fight for but if one more ECW guy gets to the WWE Hall of Fame, it should be him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd like to see a whole bunch of them go, but I would think that, you know, it would be a travesty if he didn't get in for what he's done for so many people and developmental uh, through those years and, and, and now an impact. Yeah, I mean, it's it's literally been from his days in ECW to right now. He's, he's still doing it, so it's pretty incredible. Absolutely. Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that Tommy Dreamer has had a, a Hall of Fame career. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, to be decided. And sometimes it's uh, not as fair as, you know, other, you know, sports Hall of Fames and whatnot. But I think one day, you know, at the Stars Will Line and he'll get his um, due appreciation, you know. I agree. So I'm pretty, I, com- pretty confident sure. in that. Yep. Uh, and there's, there's a couple ECW guys that I think – might be getting passed over because they're ECW guys, but you know, 
one day. Just as time goes, they'll get it, you know. Yep. Uh next up we got brother of the late great Chris Candido, Johnny Candido. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overplayed by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Our next topic here is the innovator of violence, Tommy Dreamer. Dude, he's the man. I love Tommy. That, Do you have any he, uh, things that come to mind when you think of Chris and Tommy's relationship? Because I know they were pretty close. Yeah. Tommy always seemed like very like level-headed and like cool and known. Like he'd be the guy to like solve problems, it seems, almost. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, no, they were definitely really close. My earliest memories of Tommy is like, you know, he had a the bulldog and I used to walk his bulldog around at the shows and shit. But um, yeah, I, I knew they were really close. And like later on in life, I got to know Tommy better, mm-hmm. but you know, again, like during this whole thing, you know, I was like in my early to late teens during like ECW or pretty much yeah. all my, like my high school. Yeah. So it's, you know, so I didn't really, uh, a couple of the guys I got to know real well, but I didn't get to know Tommy well until I was older. Mm-hmm. At, at a point there, I mean, it kind of seemed like they kind of were like hand in hand. They were both like Paul Heyman's like right hand men for like, you know, maybe different situations, but they helped them out. Yeah. And like were pivotal points of like running ECW. Is that my, am I yeah, correct now, in that? Yeah. I was going to say they both had Paul's ear and he kind of, he relied on both of them to like, to kind of like make everything run, you know, like get all the guys from point A to point B, get everything situated, look for buildings, get buildings. So they were kind of like doing that. They were kind of doing that together, you know, like uh, it seemed like, yeah, it seemed like a lot of the stuff, the the workings of ECW and, you know, some financial stuff as far as like booking the boys flights and getting hotels and shit was kind of put on, on Chris and Tommy. And, and, and they were all behind it. They were all in. They were like, dude, this is, this is it. We're going to, we're going to do this and stay here forever. That was the mindset of everyone at the time, yeah. you know? So do, yeah, do they both, what- uh, are you? Do you know when Chris and Tommy actually first met? Because it had to be way before ECW, even. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I got to say, I don't know the age difference in those two, but I'm going to say when my brother was like 18, something like that. So, well, Tom, Tommy just so, turned 50. So, how old would Chris have been? So, would he have been? Chris was born 1972. So, Chris would be what? 40. So, I'm, I just turned 39. Chris would be 49. How old is okay. Tommy? He just turned 50. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so they're, they're like the same yeah. age. Yeah. So, they probably yeah, met wow. each other like in their late teens. And, uh, cause I know it was before Smoky Mountain. Because yeah, I have that, that picture of that north northeast indie scene, right? Yeah, Coming I have that picture pretty much of, about the same time. I have the picture of Chris, Tommy, and Taz, and that was all like pre Smoky Mountain. And I found I just found that one day. I didn't even know you. You, you ever seen the you ever see the picture I posted up of the three of them? I'm pretty sure of, yeah. of Tommy, Chris, and Taz, and, and I didn't know I cropped Taz out first, and then I sent it to Tommy. I'm like, "Yo, who's the other dude?" He's like, "Holy shit, that's Taz!" And it, really? it didn't you know? Yeah, it looked totally different. But uh, yeah, they've so known each other for a while. In your opinion, uh, you know, be, being at these live ECW shows, you know, you know, knowing your brother like you did, how important do you think Tommy Dreamer was to ECW and how, you know how it ran and how it kept it alive for all those years? He was, I think, he was like like the heart of ECW. You know, he really was, and uh, you know, he was in, he was, he was in one hundred percent. You know, and I and him being like that had other guys being like that balls another one that was just he's like dude i'm gonna die in a wrestling ring an ecw ring like that's like the, a lot of the guys just wanted to they you know they freaking loved it that that was that was their thing and uh you know it's it's it really sucks that it that it didn't it didn't have it didn't end up the way they wanted it to but yeah tommy was really pivotal into it because i mean you know once the guys start believing like yes we can do this this could be this could be ours you know, it's, it was kind of it, it kind of sucks to see it, you know, not be there anymore. All right, so there you have it—an episode all about the innovator of violence, Tommy Dreamer, uh, a guy that. Um, you know, I'll just forever be in debt to. I, I don't know how I would ever be able to repay him. Hopefully, he listens to this. If I can teach him how to download a podcast, which I don't think he knows how to do. And uh, it brightens his day. You know, I, I would love for him to hear how appreciated and loved he is by his colleagues. And it's been a long, long time. And a long time of, uh, you know, putting smiles on fans' faces and helping people out and just, just being a great member of the professional wrestling society and uh, I can't thank him enough for all he's done for me and my friends and basically if you think about it, my family and everything you know I've uh, it's really helped yeah. me you know create my life it's pretty cool and uh, just celebrated by the way 32 years in the wrestling business like the debuted October 29th 1989 so 32 years in the business yep, and he's still, still wrestling still wrestling yep he had a pretty good match with Ace Austin about two months ago too. So, yeah. And I, when I first came to Impact, I got to wrestle him a ton, which was great. I don't think I told this story, but uh, um, oh man, actually the fr- you might know this and like friends of mine, but uh, the first time I was fired in 2014, I was booked to work Tommy in Brooklyn, and I was friggin' excited. I was I had never wrestled him. Mm. I was like, yes, I'm finally gonna get to wrestle Tommy, and I was so pumped. And uh, we got there, and then I see, like, the sheet, and it says, like, Brian Myers, Tommy Dreamer, and then there was another guy, and it was a three-way. 
and a complete somebody I didn't want to be in the ring with, let's just say. Right. Um, what? Like, what? Why on earth would he ruin, the promoter ruin this advertised match and just throw some rando dude in here? Like, what? A, and then, like, and my feelings were hurt because I'm like, I got to wrestle one of my heroes and, like, it was a big, big deal for me. So I, I investigate, I storm off and find the promoter and I'm like, what the, what's going on here? Like, this is crazy. And he's like, oh, well, so-and-so, the third guy in the match, paid me X amount of dollars to be in the match. I said, okay, I, <laughs> I promote as well. And like, you really can't, you can't say no to that. I understand. Yeah. You know, it, yeah, at yeah. the end of the day, it's an indie show. And, you know, I was like, oh my God. I was, so I was pretty livid about that and heartbroken. You know, we had a fine match, but it wasn't what. I made up in my mind. Right. So then a couple months later, I get to actually wrestle him again, but this time it's on like a much uh, lesser indie, a shindy, as we would say, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, but either way, I was like, I'm wrestling Tommy and like, it's a big deal to me. And like, I, I can't recall, and there's been a handful of times in my career, but times were like, dude, I just, wanted uh i wanted to do so well i wanted him to be impressed by me you know like and that was one of those times like that that was like very prominent in my mind like man i just want tommy to think i'm good you know mm. after all these years right and then he's tommy is you know we've learned in this episode and other people will tell you you know he called me to hire me he was like hi it's tommy dreamer I would like to hire you. You know, this is the biggest moment <laughs> of my life. There's no no enthusiasm in his voice whatsoever, but that's right. just the way he is about everything. Yeah. So we get to the back from this match, and he was like, oh, yep, thanks. And we drove home, whatever. And I was like, hmm. So it was it was in the back of my mind, like, I don't know. You can't get a rebound, Tommy. It's impossible. And then a couple of weeks later, I was dealing with this guy, another promoter, and he's like, oh, yeah, I just saw Tommy. He couldn't stop talking about how awesome you were, what a great worker you were. Oh, wow. The match was. And I was like, Oh, like I didn't even sell it to that guy, but like in my mind, I was like, "Oh my god, you don't know how good that felt to hear." Because like, yeah, that's all I wanted was him to 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 be proud of me, you know? Right, for sure. So uh, that's Tommy in a nutshell. You know, he's he's one of a kind, and uh, I can't I can't thank him enough for being Hell who yeah. he is. Yeah, and just be you know just being so madly in love with wrestling. Like he, it's literally the love of his life, pro wrestling, right. and um, like we all are. Yeah, now, but. He he might be be the king, yeah, <laughs> and that's saying something. Yeah. All right, thanks for listening to Extreme Conversations. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, tell a friend, join us in conversation on social media using hashtag Extreme Conversations. And don't forget, there's going to be a bonus episode all about the ECW original San Francisco Toymakers action figures available exclusively at patreon.com slash majorwfpod. Please make sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you find your podcasts. Yeah.